Happy Wednesday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. You know, I hope you all had a great weekend. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you why I think there's a chance that we're going to see Khabib versus Charles Oliveira in the cage together. I'll talk about Islam Makhlchev's place in the lightweight title picture, and I'll also take you deep into the world of performance-enhancing drugs in MMA. All of that today, but let's begin with what happened this past weekend. Where do you begin? You know, guys, maybe I should begin with amending a statement because I have told you numerous times my displeasure with Yawn as it pertains to the media. That's all gone. Jan Blahovich did a piece. They played it prior to the card, if you guys happen to see it. Like what you would consider a countdown show, a 24 I don't know what they called it. But it was that theme, and they sat with Blahovich, and they had him reflect back. They had him reflect over his career. They carried him through the match with Adesanya and what he's feeling, what was he thinking. They carried him through the match where he lost his championship in surprising fashion to Glover Teixeira, what he was feeling, what he was thinking. Jan was awesome. He was a very interesting guy. And I like anybody that's a personal say. I like anybody that likes where they're from. I love my hometown. I was born here. I will die here. I will never leave. But I like other guys that are like that. That's, that's just a personal choice. But Blahovich very much was doing this and pursuing this journey to bring victory and honor to his hometown. I liked it, and I also didn't know that about him. So I'm just sharing with you anything that I've ever said where this guy doesn't have the charisma, doesn't have the charm, doesn't have the words. Yes, he does. He's just never used it before. Like, if you weren't a Yawn fan prior to this, but you watched this piece, I'm very confident in telling you, you are much more interested in Yawn. So I've got to amend that statement. This is not a dull guy. He just didn't have his breakthrough moment. This was it for me. Him being vulnerable, him being down, him re-showing his hunger. He talked about this, all the things that he was going to do different. He must win this match. He must win this next match. It happens that it's against Rakik, who's a killer, but Yawn's not detoured. Now, that's the good news for Yawn. I would furthermore offer for you, I like a guy who's excited to win, and I don't give a goddamn how we did it. I cannot believe we as a community had to question Sterling the night he won a world championship. There's many ways to win a fight. And while the ones that you think of, of decision, submission, or knockout, there's more ways. We didn't write the rule book, but we did agree to abide by them. Disqualification is one of the ways. Forfeiture. I don't know what you call what happened with Rakik. I imagine that will go down if I was to go look on Sherdog right now as a TKO. But I'm just sharing with you, essentially, it's a forfeiture. It's a, hey, whoa, stop. Doesn't matter if it's in between rounds or it's during the fight. Hey, whoa, stop. And what I'm sharing for you is most guys would not take pleasure in that, particularly in a contest that you were very clearly losing. But Blahovich did. He celebrated. He was happy. All he wanted to do was leave there without a blemish. He succeeded. He worked hard. He stayed in the battle. He worked through some tough positions. And whatever happened, happened. He got his hand raised, which is what he set out there to do. I personally like that. I don't think he owes anybody an explanation. I don't think he owes anybody an apology. And because of the way he handled it and the genuine glimmer and excitement within his eye, I don't think he's going to be asked for an apology. I think it was perfect. I really do. This was the number one contender and the former champion who got prior to the fight, a confirmation by the sitting champion who is Glover, I will give the winner of this contest a title fight. That doesn't make it so. 
But that's still a very big motivator, and that is a key factor that will be considered. It's very helpful, and in that case, it's going to be Blahovich. Now, for Glover to follow through on that, or for us to even have this conversation as we move down the road, Glover's got to have the championship. Different conversation. Good spot for Jan. I didn't mind how he handled it at all. In fact, I liked it. Let's go to Rakic. I knew and I firmly believed this was the guy. Not only is Rakic going to win this contest, become the number one contender, Rakic's going to go and be the world champion. I believe that. I like his style. I like his activity. I am impressed with his power. He's also got a great body for that division. He's got just enough height, just enough size, just enough strength. Like, there's a lot of things in Rakic's favor. And he has always looked spectacular, but this is going to be a tough one. This is a former world champion. This is the number one guy in the world. How are you going to do? Rakic, great. Rakic won every part of that fight. Rakic's taking Blahovich down, which nobody else has succeeded in doing. And don't, don't think you have to correct me and tell me Blahovich has been down before. Rakic was able to do it. Rakic was getting it done on his feet. Rakic was kicking ass. Like, as good as I thought Rakic was going into this contest, all it did was solidify it, but maybe almost make me think, hey, that guy's a little bit better than I gave him credit for. I thought he was going to be the next world champion. Rakic is that good, and he proved it in this contest, at least for me. Is that not what everybody else saw? This was a very dominant fight by Rakic. Then he hurts his knee. A report comes out that it was blown out. I didn't see that, but you won it, right? I mean, this injury wasn't the same as, as far as a uh, optic standpoint, the visibility. Of say if you wanted to compare it to what happened with Anderson against Weidman or Weidman against Uriah Hall. It wasn't visible, so I don't really know what a blown-out knee would look like, but they reported that it was blown out, and I know that that's a great injury. Rachik got up. He walked out on his own. He put a smile on his face. He went over and congratulated his opponent. I thought both of these guys served themselves very well. One was ranked one. One was ranked three. I think skill-wise, maybe we've got that backwards, but the rankings are going to move forward. Quick recovery for Rakic is my hope. I do believe he'll return to something very big. I think that everybody, as far as entering the contest, stays where they were. No bounce, but no decline. Equally as important. It's a good contest. Glover liked it. Lahovich won. Nothing else to see here. So the light heavyweight division is something that John Jones knows a thing or two about. And when it comes to Jones, there's a lot of speculation about his future during his long layoff from the sport. And we continue that speculation today. John Jones had a teammate come out. I believe the gentleman's name was Castillo, his last name. It came out over the weekend. He just said, John's got three more fights in him. He's going to do three more fights. He's going to ride off into the sunset. Now, what does that do for you? Because it does something, right? I mean, they're not all home runs. You don't have to love it, but I feel like it's a double. The laws of scarcity are extremely real. So now we've got a scarcity of John Jones. Typically in this sport, I would encourage somebody very strongly to stay away from it. I have seen guys who have announced prior to having an opponent that their next fight is going to be their last fight. That's always a missed order. Get the fight, then say, it's going to be my last. Very important that you do it that way. If you say it's going to be your last, there's no promoter in the world that wants to help you. There's no promoter in the world that wants to see you go out on top. That's just not how that game is played. 
You don't shine up a guy for somebody else that's going to go off into the sunset. It's his job to do that, right? I mean, that's the battle going forth, but you shine up the guy that is going to be back tomorrow. Very basic, very obvious, but I see guys get this one all the, uh, wrong all the time. This next one's going to be my last one, and then they go and get the match. It's very unfavorable, and they go get beat up, and now they're done. And so I always encourage guys, don't ever say that. Like, if you've got three left, and you're not the champion, but you'd like to be, if we take you at your word, and we have good reason to believe that your words are accurate... Who's going to put a belt around? Who's going to main a venue? Now, it's very different when John does it. It's extremely different. Quite frankly, I've never seen it done. So I don't know that I fully have an opinion, but it did do something for me, and it did something to the positive. I mean, even if we're going to call it a double, it's something. Can we agree on that? It's very different when John does it. I only say that because his next fight's for a title, and we all know it. His next fight does not need to be favorable. There's no such thing. It's John Jones. What are you going to do? So I do think that it's interesting. I do not know that I buy the, the three-fight business. I don't know that anybody would know, but if you look at the age of John Jones, what is he, 35 now? He'll be 36. He'll be, he'll, he'll be 44 at, at the rate that it takes him to do three fights. But, you know, in a, in a realistic scenario, he's going to be 36 right off into the sunset. I don't know. I don't know. If I was to predict for you, John Jones, sitting champion of the world, cleaned out two divisions now, right? If he doesn't have it, he's going to clean out the divisions. If, it, if we're talking three fights from now, he's either already fought Francis or Francis is, is dead and gone and we're not ever going to see that. I, I can't imagine that he'd want to leave. I mean, in all fairness, for the pay that you could get and the work that you're going to be asked to, look, guys, this, this, this experiment is going to go up in smoke if Stipe Miocic doesn't sign the contract. It's over. I mean, in all fairness, the experiment of can this great fighter who couldn't draw for years go and become this massive pay-per-view star in the sport, that is gone in smoke if we don't have Stipe. And the only help that Stipe is is just gives us a little bit more time to find the next guy. I think the next guy is there. I think he's discovered. I think he's under contract right now. I think that heavyweight is a very tough division, but that isn't the perception of it. And whether you're very tough or not, to be compared to John Jones, right? The guys at 205 pounds were very tough. There was just such a gap that the media and the fans couldn't get their curiosity. If you don't have Stipe and Francis is out, and Francis is out, whether that contract comes back around or not, he's out with an injury. So now we're kicking the can we're going to get Francis back. We're going to get Francis and John together. We're going to kick this can to 2023. Okay, I mean, I'll stick around. No problem. 2023 will be here a little quicker. You see the problem? So then even if you get Stipe, this is a placeholder to get something else done. You'll keep hope alive. You'll cling. Maybe we get the Francis deal done. Maybe the timing works out. But it's still one of these things. Now, absent of Francis, and for whatever reason, not having Stipe as of yet, what do you do? There is only one match that could give John problems. Where John's really going to have to work. He's going to strategize. He's going to work. He's going to run into a couple of positions. That's just Curtis Blades. Nobody is clamoring to see Curtis Blades versus John Jones, but I'm sharing with you the only one on paper that would have a chance of doing anything. And I'm not even saying win. I'm not even saying upset him. I'm saying make him burn some calories. It's Curtis Blades. Tough spot. I mean, it's an interesting position. It really is. Go look at the top-ranked guys. Is there anybody in there that you have a question about? And then what if you still do? You still, ah, it's going to be fun. We're going to get Derek Lewis, we're going to get John Jones in there, and this is going to be fun. John's a 205-pounder. This whole thing was based on size. Derek's as big of a guy as we could possibly find. 
Let's go get these guys together. Okay, you may, maybe you have an interest and maybe you have some fun. But when that fight's over, where do you go from there? I mean, it's, it's an interesting spot. It, it truly is because it's not too late. It's not too late for anything. 205 pounds and John Jones, boo, they, they go hand in hand. This is a simultaneous thought. Think about a 205 pounder. Think about your history in the sport as a fan. Think of a 205 pounder. You're thinking of John Jones. For sure you are. It's the king of the division. The division lost its interest, at least for John. John lost interest within the division. That's a fact. John may now have an interest. He might. He needs to hear from you. John's waiting to hear from you. If I'm wrong and this is totally wrong, let John hear it. Say, Chael's got this whole thing backwards and it's 205 pounds and Tia Vasa versus John Jones is a dream fight and now we've almost got... Okay, but let him hear it. If you agree with me and the Prohaskas of the world and the rematches with the Glovers and the Rakers and boy, this Blahovic sure is interesting... Let him hear it. It's not too late for anything. Nothing is signed. Nothing is done. And not for nothing, but John did this entire experiment to attempt to please you guys. Maybe he's never said it. Never, maybe he's never made it that obvious. This is for you. You showed, and he heard you loud and clear, that you lost interest after he had ran through 205 pounds. So he's coming to a new division. This is for you. If that's where you want him, great. Start making the matches. I have a feeling you quickly dismissed my commentary about Curtis being the most interesting one. I have a feeling that you're not ready to open your eyes yet that we don't have Francis. I have a feeling that you aren't aware that in the absence of Stipe, which is where we currently sit for unknown reasons, Team Stipe has always been very tight-lipped. And quite frankly, I haven't reached out. Maybe if I reached out, I'd get a very direct and quick answer back, and I just haven't done that. What are you going to do with him? Who are you going to put him with? Where do we go from here? What is the delay? If he was hot enough on his own, there wouldn't be a delay. There's plenty of bodies. Get somebody that can fog a mirror and put him in there. Like, no, there, this needs to be done the right way. There's a responsibility. John Jones is an extremely dangerous human being who cannot just, from a responsibility standpoint, put him in there with anybody. John Jones, take the number one guy in the world and send him to the emergency room. You don't want to see him in there with number five. Trust me. You don't want to see that. So what do you do? Who are you going to put him with? What is the delay on the Stipe fight? Now we're being told that he's got three. Being told you got three from a guy that's trying to sell some tickets. We've seen this a million times. Being told you got three from the best fighter to have done it, who's about to emerge in a new division. It is interesting. I'm not calling it a home run, but I'm saying he got on base. I want to know what you guys think. Three fights left for John Jones. So moving on from one of the all-time greats to another, let's talk about Khabib. Now, a lot of you guys ask me if I think we'll ever see Khabib in the cage again. So let me attempt to answer that for you. Khabib versus Oliveira, right? And we're not ready for this conversation yet. Like, I've noticed that this isn't out there. I will find it sparingly. I'll see the kids in the forums on the underground sparingly bring it up. But someday it will be hot. I mean, you guys will remember, was it about eight months ago? St. Pierre versus Khabib. But if somebody wanted to redo that conversation right now, boom, that would blow up overnight. Like, that's one of those topics that could be red hot anytime somebody wants to make it hot. We're not there with Khabib versus Oliveira. But could we be? And all it is is a discussion. When you're talking about the... It's very relevant that you understand this. When you're having a... Go, who's the GOAT? There is no tournament for GOAT. There's not even a belt or a plaque or a t-shirt that comes with it. It's just an argument. That's it. If you can get more people on your side, you win. It is straight up democracy, right? I mean, it is a popularity vote. The end. The end. 
But you will be confronted with certain things. Charles Oliveira Khabib, two common opponents, both of their last two opponents. So very relevant. Very relevant. You tell me MMA math doesn't work. MMA math works all the time. Now, Charles Oliveira beat Dustin Poirier 61 seconds faster than Khabib did. That's true. Charles Oliveira beat Justin Gaethje four minutes faster than Khabib did. That's true. I watched all four of those matches. I come to a conclusion that Khabib beat them both easier than Charles did. Am I a jerk? Am I? I mean, I just got confronted with the one thing that won't lie, which is numbers, and I am disputing the numbers. As a matter of fact, you have not heard the words that I just spoke until you just heard me speak them. Nobody else has brought you the fun fact of 61 seconds faster for Charles over Poirier. Nobody has brought you the fun fact of four minutes. It's four minutes and change. Faster for Gaethje favoring Oliveira against Khabib. But it did seem as though Khabib, even if he took his time, mauled and dominated in a much different fashion, easier. That's my opinion. That's my true opinion. My true opinion. The numbers are against me. That's my true opinion. And when you talk about numbers, one of the reasons we're not here yet, but when you do talk about numbers, Charles Oliveira has won his last 11 fights. Do you know how impressive that is? At 155 pounds, that might have spread a little into 45. I'd have to go back and check when he changed. Do you know how hard that is? Can we all agree that that's amazing? Can we all agree 11 of your last 11 is jaw-dropping, mind-blowing, pat on the back, great? Can we? Okay, great. Because then you're going to get confronted with the fact that Khabib did that same thing, but he did it 29 times. Do you see the problem? So we're not there yet. But we could get there in a real hurry. We could get there very rapidly. You bring in Conor McGregor versus Oliveira. The number one thing that you're doing is bringing yet another opponent that Khabib had, which just adds to the MMA math. What you want to do, it is up to you. I'm not telling you how to decipher that or how to interpret that. I'm just telling you that that exists. And I think it's a good starting point because there is another narrative out there that also has not gained massive steam, but it exists. And I think with time and the right pieces coming into place, I do think that it will be a much hotter topic, which is, will Khabib return and take on Charles Oliveira? We're all of the mind of no, because Khabib has told us that, and Khabib has been very candid, and Khabib has said how great Charles is. Like, there was no problem anywhere. There's no heat between those two. Charles has never called for Khabib. Khabib has never called for Charles. We're trying to interfere. We're trying to do it. And there is the smallest little door that has been opened by Khabib. Khabib was trying to get Islam to fight with Conor McGregor and did not think that Conor would want to fight Islam. So Khabib, to sweeten the pot, said, if that fight happens and Conor beats Islam, I will return and I will fight Conor. Now, as much as you want to think that that was in passing, that's not how Khabib works. If it came out of Khabib's mouth, he will do it. So that actually was an offer to return. There was things that had to happen and there were stipulations on it and contingencies. But make no mistake, Khabib would have done it. And as small of a door as that is, what if Khabib, I mean, that one came out of nowhere. That one came out of absolute nowhere where Khabib all of a sudden shines a little bit of light through this door that we thought was absolutely closed. What if he did it again? 
He's trying to get an even bigger opportunity for Islam, the same guy. He's trying to get an even bigger opportunity right now, which is against Oliveira and be a, a, for a championship. So if he was willing to do it in a super fight, what do you call it against Connor? What do you call Islam versus Connor? A main event, a big match? What, what do you want to call it? It would seem as though perhaps he would do it again for Oliveira. So, I mean, as much as this door was shut, I'm fishing for something here, but I do think that there's a little bit of something, right? I mean, Khabib is a human being at the end of the day, and he is an animal like anybody else, like any other cage fighter. And if you put him in the corner the wrong way, he is going to come out swinging. I don't know what that is. I don't know for sure how you would do that. But I think that the discussion is real. I think if Islam was to come in just by example and get the jump on Oliveira, and I would be extremely curious, even before we got to that fight, I would be extremely curious what the line for that fight was. Because I will tell you with all confidence, one week ago, it was Islam, end of story. By how much is all we'd be wondering? Islam's for sure the favorite. By how much? Can he see three to one? Mm, probably not. Right in there. Right in there. I'm not even sure he's the favorite now, let alone two to one, three to one. I'm not even I'm not positive he would be the favorite after what Oliveira just showed us. Now the line will have nothing to do with the contest, but boy, our anticipation of the way that we would view that match is very, very different now, isn't it? I don't think that this is a topic that's going anywhere, but I will also share with you it's not a topic that's dead. It can't be me that's coming out and rubbing these numbers and the Poirier time and the Gaethje time in somebody's face. It has to be Oliveira, and I don't think that Oliveira has that in him. I just don't think that's who he is. But it's also a discussion that if this was to pop up a week from now, I want to be on the right side of history, which is the one in front of the discussion and the one that's bringing it to you. And it is not the return of Khabib to take on Charles Oliveira as small as it is, right? You guys remember the Dumb and Dumber? Dumb and Dumber had this great line. Jim Carrey, who's playing the doofus missing the tooth, goes up to a girl and says, what are the chances that you would go out with me? And she says, one in a million. And Jim Carrey responds, so you're telling me there's a chance. And as it pertains to the return of Khabib and a possible caveat that he would possibly put on Islam versus Charles, which would be a much more competitive match than most of us anticipated, the chance of Khabib returning, one in a million? So I'm telling you, there's a chance. So as most of you remember, both Khabib and Charles Oliveira defended their lightweight titles against Dustin Poirier. And coming up in a moment, I'm going to talk about Poirier and who we might see him fight in the future. But before that, a quick word about today's sponsor. Does your lawn have weeds, bear patches, those annoying yellow pet spots? Sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way. They've got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control, and it's all delivered right to your door. I don't know about you guys, but my yard is a personal oasis. It deserves the best. Sunday helps you grow a beautiful lawn, control pests, and fight weeds without the toxic stuff. Sunday's custom lawn care is effective and super easy. Just go to GetSunday.com, put in your address, and their lawn analysis tools does the rest. 
They use soil and climate data to create a personal nutrient plan delivered to you right to your door when you need it. Sunday's lawn care products are made with your family in mind. That's why they use ingredients you can feel good about like seaweed, iron, and molasses. The best part, it really works. And Sunday is offering my listeners 20% off. Get a full season plan starting at just $129. And you can get 20% off when you visit GetSunday.com slash Chael at checkout. That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Chael. Poirier came out and he said that he has offered or even agreed to fight Nate Diaz a number of times. He's now calling out very aggressively, by the way, Colby Covington. My biggest takeaway is that Dustin has made up his mind that he's going to be a 170 pounder. I don't have any other evidence. That's all I've got. Dustin has been very active on social media, as you guys have seen, but then he even sat down and did a full interview. He talked exclusively about two guys, both of which are 70 pounders. So I think that we have our answer on Dustin. Now, if we don't have it and it's 155 pounds, it is glaringly obvious to me the fight that needs to be made, which is Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. To me, that's the fight, and there's not a whole lot left to talk about. If we are going to 170, let's take a look at this. I like the idea. I would even throw Tony Ferguson in the mix. Regardless of what just happened with Tony, it was an excellent performance. He looked very good. If we're just having this discussion, we're moving a couple of guys up a weight class. It's their first time. I don't hate that idea of Poirier versus Ferguson. Probably not going to get my way, but I'll use that to ease into the idea. Of course, Nate versus Poirier works. Of course it does. And what did happen to that fight? That fight was already signed. That was promised to us. Madison Square Garden. Now, if you guys will just remember how that story went, it was Poirier that pulled off. Nate went through with it. Nate fought at Madison Square Garden as planned. So we know that Nate will do the match. If you're keeping both Nate and Poirier on ice to preserve options for when Connor returns, you'd have some real decision-making at that point. Right, like if Nate Diaz is in the conversations, if he's on the short list for Conor McGregor at 170, we now know that Conor is going to be at 170, which is where you could insert Poirier at 170. I think at 155 pounds, I personally believe the rumors of Dan Hooker versus Conor McGregor if we're at 155 pounds. But if, in fact... We're speculating at best. But if, in fact, the return of Connor at 170 has to do with Diaz and Poirier, and Connor's a 70-pounder, it would change the conversation. And while you're going to have that, and while that's going to get heated, and why one of those guys is going to get matched up, one of those guys still remains on ice. Now, the only idea that I don't love for Poirier, and this is, this is just personal, I don't love the idea of Poirier versus Colby. I don't. Not for your first time. And I was the other side. I wanted Poirier to look, and this is a period of time ago. I'm going back about three years, but I wanted Poirier to look at going back to 45. I wanted Poirier to look at Poirier versus Volkanovski at 45. Now, I'm not going to get my way. That isn't going to happen. But I'm just suggesting for you, if I am personalizing it and I wanted Poirier back down here, I can't in good conscience move him up the other direction 
and then put him with the best guy in the world that isn't named Kamar Uzman. It just seems like a lot to bite off. That story works for sure. Poirier versus Colby works. That is a massive contest for all of the reasons that Masvidal was massive against Colby. The exact same story just gets applied. It gets applied over to Dustin with a few more question marks with a few more things that are different because it would be Dustin's first time up. I just think that's a lot to bite off. I really don't have standing in this matter. If D- Dustin thinks that it's not, who am I to say? But if I was, I had a magical one, and I'm doing some some special matchmaking over here. I'm not going to put that match. That's not the one that I'm going to submit for you guys. I like the idea of Dustin versus Nate. I like where his head's at. Dustin versus Connor, of course, makes... A, a tremendous amount of sense. And why the hell not just do it at 170? Dustin doesn't want to pull down to 55. Connor doesn't want to pull down to 54. It's one of those things. Many of us believe that if they are to redo the match, that they would do it at 55. But we only believe that because of Connor going to 70 for Nate Diaz and Connor insisting it be Nate Diaz for the rematch. Like we think that Connor's got this built in ideology that carries over as a broad stroke to absolutely everything he does. We've not, not actually been told that. And I do not love the idea of these... Ma- these are massive stars I'm discussing here. Come on, I threw out Colby Covington's name. I threw out Conor McGregor's name. I threw out Porio's name. I threw out Nate Diaz's name. These are massive guys that look like they're willing to find each other. They're even willing to make concessions. They're making... Uh, conce- at least Dustin Poirier is on the weight class. Well, I mean, these are guys that are very willing to get a deal done, to get a fight made. We're going to give them their way at some point, don't we? And if we don't give them their way, it does it does beg the question of why, which would not involve any kind of conspiracy. It would involve if we knew why, we'd all learn something. We'd learn something about matchmaking. We'd learn something about the business. We'd learn something about the process. But for whatever reason, everybody's on hold right now. And, and that includes Colby. Colby has not spoken up. Colby has not been challenged by anybody. It was Colby's idea to fight Poirier in the first place. Now Poirier's coming out and said, fine, you know what? I thought about it. I've had a little bit of time. I would imagine that involves some training, some getting used to, some being in the gym with some other welterweights where Dustin finally got the confidence and the decision made that, yes, I can, in fact, go in here. As a matter of fact, I can go with the absolute number one guy. Like, whatever happened there, I would find very interesting. Either way, Colby is getting his way. The idea that Colby had was not met with acceptance. Well, it is now, but now we don't haven't heard from Colby. So the whole thing gets very weird, right? Like, the whole thing is confusing. I haven't heard one of these guys with a bad idea yet. Connor's never going to let you know what he's going to do. He doesn't want you to know. He has fun with that. But I haven't heard a bad idea from Connor yet. Michael Chandler, I know I'm going down to 55, but he called out three, four different names the other night right on TV. I liked all those ideas. I liked every single match and every single name that came out of his mouth. Nate Diaz, anyone, anywhere, anytime, as long as the time can be as soon as possible. I liked, I like everything that I'm hearing, but for some reason we don't have enough direction. It's like for, for some reason we just have too many options. I read a book one time. It it all has to do with the problem of choice. I feel like we have so many choices. It gives us something to think about, something to talk about. What that does is it kicks the can down the road and we keep delaying. We've got to start honing in. We've got to start eliminating guys, see who's left, get some guys matched up. What to do with your biggest stars of Nate Diaz, of Dustin Poirier? Where the hell is Conor McGregor? What's Colby up to? Like, I've never really seen a time where we've got better options and better names. It appears to me right now we have too damn many options, which is why no decision is being made. Now, since Oliveira lost the belt a few weeks ago, 
There's been a lot of talk about the lightweight title picture, and there's one fighter in particular whose name is top of mind for a lot of you right now. What's going to happen next for Islam? Where are you guys at on that? I read a thread by the kids on the underground forum just this morning, and they were predicting that Islam is going to fight for a world championship, but they were resisting that saying that Islam would be the first person in history to fight for a world championship who had not defeated anybody within the top five. That's not factually incorrect, but I do feel that that is extremely misleading. Now, hold that thought. It appears if we were to discuss what's next for Islam, we are at two places. He's going to continue on. He's going to fight Benny at an undisclosed date because it has been revealed by Benny that his injury is still flaring up. All right, that was for sure the school of thought two weeks ago. If that's the one you said, you'd have looked accurate. But now there appears to be, and this is the one that I'm leaning to, that Islam is going to get pulled out of the fight with Benny and put into a main event title opportunity with Oliveira. So the kids on the underground were trying to get in front of it, and they were trying to be mean, and they're trying to say that Islam doesn't deserve I never fully know what the word deserve means, but that he doesn't deserve it because he has not fought anybody in the top five. And while I tell you that I will concede that that is factually an accurate statement, but it's very misleading, I do stand by that. If you have a 22-1 and one record, which Islam does, yesterday I was actually boasting about Islam in a different piece, and I was talking about his beautiful record of 15-1. and one. I missed seven fights. This guy is 22 and one. That's very remarkable. And the fight that he lost wasn't even in the UFC. Oh, and by the way, he got knocked out, which would lead you with no further evidence to just conclude that he was caught, whether that's accurate or not. I mean, it's one of these things. 22 and one. And what we all admit is the most difficult division in the entire industry. Not just within the organization, within the entire industry. That's a, that's a beautiful record. So then you want to come out and you want to try to muddy the waters by saying that he hasn't defeated anybody within the top five. Well, when I tell you I think that's misleading for twofold. First off, he hasn't fought anybody within the top five. Now, before you think that I just strengthened your argument, your argument was very clear in writing on the underground that he has not beat anybody within the top five. So it is very different. It's a very different thing that you're saying. That he has not beat anybody in the top five versus my statement of, well, he hasn't fought anybody in the top five. And that is relevant because this just got tested with Chemayev. Chemayev had not beaten anybody in the top five, but he had not fought anybody within the top five. And that was true right up until his last contest against Burns. It was the first opportunity that he had. But prior to that contest, Chemayev was booked, right? Do you guys remember this pre-COVID and all of this different stuff? Chemayev was booked to take on Leon, and whoever won that was believed to be going to go fight for the championship. Now, that also would have satisfied the criteria. At that time, Leon was ranked number three. That would have been Chemayev's debut into number three. But even absent of that fight, all of the talk everywhere, the questions that Dana was getting asked constantly, the threads and the discussion out there by us within the community is that Chemayev should go right in and take on either Kamar Usman or Israel Adesanya. Like, that was a belief. And the belief was not just there because he had not beat anybody in the top five. It was there because the entire top five refused to fight him. And what rules are you going to go after, by the way? Because I firmly do believe that the rules of the playground do carry over to the octagon. If you have two guys and one refuses to fight the other guy, the class now has their answer. 
That could have happened in second grade. Whatever that answer is will carry the guy all the way through graduation senior year. All of us knew who the baddest dude in the school was. How many times did you ever see that actually get tested? It's very real. It carries over to the octagon. If Islam is willing and wants to fight the number two guy, but he won't give him the match, I'm talking about the number two guy, we've got our answer. We don't have to see it. If Islam is willing and wants to take on the number three guy, the number four guy, the number five guy, and they won't do the match, we have our answer. And that was good enough for Chemayev. We all accepted it when it was Chemayev, and we should have. If those guys were refusing Chemayev, and they were not only doing that quietly, they were doing it very publicly, no matter what they hung their hat on. Well, he doesn't have enough experience, he doesn't have enough fights, he's not a big enough draw, he hasn't beaten anybody to qualify to get to me. Whatever it is, we've still got our answer. You don't want to fight. We've got our answer. You move Chemayev right in front of him. Which is precisely one of the two apparent decisions that are being made right now, apparent options, to do with Islam. Book him as scheduled, get him in there with Benny. We've kicked the can on that once. We thought we had a rough idea of date, right? Because these dates are never, we're going to do it in September on the 15th. We're, we're going to do it in August on the 12th. It's always, we're going to do it in summer. Ah, oh, we're going to do it in the fall. Ah, oh, we're going to do it, right? It's, it's like this broad stroke to start with. So when you get this can kicked and you're a prize fighter and you're Islam Makhlchev, do, do we just keep on making him wait to preserve and go and do a fight with Benny that in all fairness, most people don't want to see anyway. I get that we do. I get that the hardcores do. In fact, that's not some kind of a mega fight that you put a guy on ice and you make him wait for. Or do you pull him out and put him into a world title fight because we've already been given our evidence. When number two and three and four refused to fight him, we've got our answer. He's better than you. Move him right past him. I don't know. I'm just here to tell you that the statement versus the reality are very different. Having not beaten anybody in the top five is very different than he has not fought anybody in the top five. Trying to fight all of the top five guys and having them refuse to fight you, not to mention having a more beautiful record and more decisive outcomes than any of them, at some point, does matter. So the statement's true. Islam could be the first guy to fight for a title who has not fought anybody, has not beat anybody in the top five. That statement could be true, but you're going to have to put an asterisk and you're going to have to amend it to the idea that nobody in the top five has offered or been willing to fight Islam. To close out today's show, Let's get out of all the speculation and the matchmaking, and let's talk about a subject that's really important to me and many of you guys out there. All right, guys, the other day we were talking about pets. We were talking about pets in MMA. We were crediting how few of them there are, that the culture has very much changed, but we still see it. What do you do? When I tell you that a Chael Sonnen eye test is 100%, I say that with absolutely no exaggeration. It is 100 percent. And just to give you any kind of a spoiler alert, like this isn't a former user that's turned advocate. There's not like a point in this video where I start naming names or I even start giving you enough information that you could reasonably connect dots. I've read plenty of comments with plenty of guesses. They're light years off. I got every word that's coming out of my mouth very well rehearsed. I am not going to get jammed up here, but that's not what I want to do. I'm not attempting to get a whole bunch of people caught up, to have a very meaningful conversation on how is this happening? Because you've only got one real operating theory. 
which is the guys that are doing it keep their mouth shut. Okay, that's it. They got their gimmick down. But to watch it as prevalent as it is in two specific locations. We have five guys in the entire sport that are doing it. Five. Except for the two locations. It's across all of them. It's, it's very rare. So they're just all really good. They're just all really trained. It's just purely a coincidence. They're solid performers. They're the next Ed Norton. They found their wrong industry. Maybe. Uh, most likely. In, in fairness, sure. But it's not the only. I mean, the, the best way to pull off a work, and we've seen it. We've seen it in Pride. The Pride organization, which put on fake fights. Those athletes are enraged when I make that comment. How dare I? And those athletes, after they won, boy, they jumped up and they celebrated. And it sure looked authentic. It sure looked authentic with their coaches and they gave post-fight interview. I mean, it was like one of these things. We go, oh, that guy's a really good performer. Well, no, not so fast. The best way to pull off a of work is you don't tell the guy that you're working. So the way they did it in Pride and the reason those celebrations look so real and the reason that those guys today have a problem that I would question their work and their accomplishment, they didn't know. In Pride, it wasn't like WWE, right? Vince or the Booker doesn't come in the locker room and sit both guys down and work it out. In Pride, they only paid a visit with a bag full of money to one locker room, and that was the guy that was going down. So Witty, the other guy didn't know. It's very relevant. It's very relevant when you're trying to put your finger on, God, he sure, that, it still looks authentic. Look, this guy's a fantastic performer. They never told him. I bring that to you because I do wonder about it as it pertains to our sport. Is it guys that got the script down? Or do they not know? And as wild as that might seem, guys, this has been tested. Now, the evidence is out there and you can go look it up, but I'm not going to spell it out for you completely. Because while I'm trying to have a meaningful conversation about this, one of the other things that will happen is somebody will use that the other way. I'll smarten them up. It's, it's very real. Like, the substances that are being used are always going to be called into question because you do have chemistry and you do have new substances, right? I mean, that, that's just the way that works. But, but moreover, in the bigger problem, like when, when everything went to 100% clean, we had champions that never won another fight, ever, to this day guys went from shit to out of the organization. We had the incredible shrinking man all over the place. Guys dropping divisions. We had one guy who absolutely never flinched. And as a matter of fact, went the other way. He went up and I mean, it, was show, right? it, was, it was a joke. And I looked into it. I was so curious. What is he doing and how is he doing it? And the answer that I was giving, and I don't believe it to be true. It's why I will share it with you, was microdosing. I know that you guys have heard that term. I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe for a moment that microdosing would get you that effect. And moreover, I don't believe that microdosing is undetectable, regardless of what you do read online. I have used myself as a personal guinea pig. I don't believe that it's true. But that was still, through my research and doing my absolute best, just to find this curious guy. Many years ago, just a curious guy. That was still where we left off. If you go Google that and you'll type that in, a lot of people will hypothesize about that. You'll come across chat rooms, you'll come across Reddit, and some of them are really, uh, really good thinkers, and they will tell you that 
But the people that are telling you that have never been subject specifically to the United States Doping Agency. I don't think it works. So my opinion, I don't think it works. The bigger problem, and one of the reasons that I'm going to check my words very carefully, the biggest mistake that was ever done wasn't just the substance. That's always an issue. It was how you take the substance of which nobody knew until USADA told us. USADA came and made this huge mistake. They thought they were speaking in code and they were smart. They revealed to everybody what the problem was and how to beat the test. Now, you're only going to hear that if you want to hear that. You're only going to find that if you're within that space. But boom, they gave us the clue. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to talk about there is documented other ways to do it where the athlete himself does not know. It's beyond rare. It's, it's beyond rare. Like if you look at what they did in Russia, which they are, were fully, that was the world's worst secret, how that took everybody until five years ago. To, I used to grow up on that. I, I was wrestling, Russia won all the worlds, where they win all the Olympics. We'd hire Russian coach. I used to tell those, man, Russia sucks. There's nothing special about Russia. Oh, how can you say, it was so offensive in the world of Greco and freestyle wrestling. How can you say that? Look at all the medals. And I would tell those coaches back then, you're cheating. Your athletes are all cheating. You don't have some two-on-one. You don't have some outside duck. You don't have some special gut to a lift. You have steroids. That's why you're winning all of this. They couldn't believe I was saying it. They were stunned. This was in the late 90s. I had this specific question, conversation at a weigh-in at the University World Championships in Tokyo, Japan with Coach Anatoly. He had no idea. He thought this was blasphemy. He could not believe that I would say these things about his country. He didn't know. It's one of those things. Best way to keep it secret. You don't tell somebody. It's one of those things. All right. But those athletes didn't have a choice. They got identified by the gun. They got pulled. They got shot in the ass and they cleared the test. That's very different. There have been other athletes that do not know. 2016 Istanbul, Turkey. Freestyle wrestler, 66 kilograms. I'm going to be light on the details, but in fairness, this is all out there. I'm not speaking out of school. He lived, and it's very important how you guys understand this, and a, a number of other countries do that. When the great athletes are identified, and sport and medal count is very important to your government. It's very common that they will do. Those people will be taken from their homes and they will be put in training centers. I used to train in Istanbul, Turkey. So I know this full well. I saw it with my own eyes. I stayed there. And just the way that works, just the building. It's a beautiful building. They're treated very well. Upper floor is where you live. And you will have a number of roommates. There's a number of beds and you got a little space for your stuff and your clothing. On the second floor is where you will train. That's where the mat room is and the ropes and the weights and the sauna, the locker rooms and the showers, these type things. On the bottom floor, there's classrooms and a kitchen. That is where you will do your schooling and that is where you will eat all of your meals. If you ever leave, which you are allowed to leave, again, this isn't a prison situation. This is considered fortunate for the people that get this opportunity, but you will leave as a group. You don't have a job. You don't have any money. You don't have a bank account. You're not going out and meeting a guy on the side and getting something in a brown paper bag. And this is all very relevant to the story. It's extremely relevant the way I just laid out the living conditions for you for, uh, for this, because this guy popped. He said, I didn't do it. Now that sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? There's not a whole lot to talk about in terms of did he do it or not once you have the sample. The testing agency believed him. For some reason, there was something about the way he denied it that they believed. 
they also couldn't reconcile how. What he was doing specifically needed to be taken three times a week. First off, how was he getting it? Second, how would he pay for it? Who would have brought it to him? Moreover, where's he taking it that nobody's seen? He's never alone. And even beyond that, where's he storing it? Well, he's got a bed like everybody else. He's got, he's got one dresser. We can go search the thing right now. Where is this stuff that he's taking and he was really taking and he's taking three times a week? It was, it was very fair questions and they looked into it. And sure enough, he had the foggiest idea. He had no idea. I can tell you exactly how that was done. I, I, I got to leave that out. Because again, some people, it'll smart them. Give them weird ideas. I don't want to be part of that. But you had access to him a couple of different ways. One of the ways was food. So when you when you have the cheating happen, happening at a level outside of the athlete's knowledge, when you have that orchestrated, and as much as that sounds like a conspiracy, and it is, it's been done, it's been tested, it's Russia. Russia's been doing it since the 70s when the East German women's swim team brought anabolics to the forefront of the world. They have been doing it. So every single medal that they've ever won at least has a question around it. At least, at minimum, a question. But now that we have identified that it's more than just a conspiracy, that it does, in fact, and has, in fact, happened, it does come on the board. It does remain one of your options of how these guys could swear to God up and down and sideways and be a perfectly honest guy and do it with a performance that you believe. He doesn't know. And there is an extremely specific way to get that substance to and inside of the guy where he would never know. And you don't know who's going to be good and you don't know who's going to be not. And you know who's going to be signed. You've got one way to do this and you can't have specials and it's to do the whole goddamn team. But we have two teams. It is top to bottom, all of them, any organization, any way that you want to do it. You will have members within those gyms if you actually go out there and visit them that have absolutely no competitive hopes in the future. It is their social club, it's their workout, it's their exercise, it's their hobby. It's in their system too. So you do start to begin to look at it and there is more to it. There's more to the story. I realize I'm leaving you hanging. I'm paying you off from the first time where I completely left you hanging. But if you do go look into the story of the Russian freestyle athlete in 2016, and they cleared him completely, by the way. They had the positive test. He for sure had an advantage. They did not punish him at all. He was able to compete and move forward. He was able to compete and move forward with something in his system that greatly gave him an advantage, but he just had no intent. Nobody knew what to do. This was a kid. He didn't mean anything bad. What do you do? You heard everybody else in the field. That's true. He has an advantage. That's true. But you didn't take his opportunity away. I mean, it's a very tough spot, but that's how it was ruled. The story's out there. If you're going to look it up, I'm giving you some keywords that you can go look up. But if you found out how the coach got it into his system, which is one thing they never found out. They never found out how they, they got it into his system. But I know. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review like the one we got from Carlos that says, Appreciate. The immediate reaction to the pay-per-view. Well, thank you, Carlos. And for the rest of you, we're going to have more shows just like this in the future. Speaking of the future, I'm going to be back on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.